Hello and welcome in to Locked In St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering the St. Louis Cardinals from what is becoming, I guess, the uh, the regular spot here outside the Redbird Club here at Bush Stadium. My name is Jeff Jones, joined by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, good afternoon, sir, on what is so far a lovely day, minus the score of the ball game. How about this weather we're having, huh? Beautiful day, a top 10 day. I think that's a... Uh... A Dave Murray line from Fox 2, but I'm going to borrow it. I think today qualifies. Today was officially the uh, the first day of the year with all of the windows down in the press box, and it was pretty much an ideal day for baseball. Uh, and, and pretty much, you know, he had 70 degrees, he had the bright sunshine, a little bit of a breeze. It was nice today. It was a nice, nice day to be out at the park and watch the St. Louis Cardinals continue to struggle to put the bat on the ball. Cardinals are the 3 2 yeah, loss to the Brewers. It also doesn't get any better. I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than uh, watching some baseball on Facebook today. I don't yeah. know if you had it pulled up there in the press box, but that was that was something. I did, I did not have it pulled up there in the press box, and we can start there. As I mentioned, the Cardinals losing 3-2 to the Brewers today uh, for the third consecutive game against the Brewers here in this series with a ninth-inning rally. This one doesn't quite get there to get the game to extras as Dexter Fowler strikes out with the winning run on first base in the ninth. So you mentioned you uh, you were you were keeping track of the game on Facebook today. How uh, How was the viewing experience? Now, I'll tell you what, it was kind of cool because uh, generally during the daytime, I am uh, currently substitute teaching, which is a lot of fun. But that means that I wouldn't have been able to watch the first couple innings on on television anyway. And so I had my phone. I was kind of, it, it kind of felt like what you do for March Madness when you were in school, where you're, you're sneaking a peek at, at the games anyway you can find them. And, and so it was kind of a fun thing. But man, the, the comment section on these Facebook games uh, it's hilarious. Like just some of the stuff you see, it it's got a wide variance in range of, of outcomes. Um, but but you know the the broadcast seemed good. I like how they brought in kind of an analyst for each team to kind of represent. And as long as those guys uh, at least know something about the team that they're analyzing, I think it's kind of going to be a fun thing this year. But I also see why uh, your more traditional fans are not going to be fond of it uh, each Wednesday afternoon, especially when their team is on the game as the Cardinals were today. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the comment feed. I did see from a screenshot at least that you apparently can swipe to mute the entire feed, but is there, I mean, is there filtering that goes on there, or are you seeing the unfiltered thoughts as they pour in from all of your fellow Facebook viewers? Because I, I did oh, yeah. not have it pulled up today. Yeah, it was wild. So on the phone, you can, but the funny part is people don't know how to do it. Even though it's right there on the screen, swipe right to, to avoid the comments. They're still asking, hey, why do I see these comments? How do I get rid of these comments? It's like it's everybody's grandparents watching Cardinal Baseball on Facebook together, and it was it was lovely. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and, uh, and Brian Stull from St. Louis Baseball Weekly tweeted about this during the game, uh, the video apparently shows the exact number of people watching at any given time. That, to me, is an interesting uh, marketing decision for Major League Baseball because now you're allowing your advertisers to have direct access to exactly how many eyes they're putting the product in front of, and that can be good, I guess, in some cases, or it could potentially be problematic if you're not getting a number of views that you wished you were getting. Yeah, they did have a few more views uh, in, in real time than my periscopes. I guess that's something I got some catching up to do. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Apologies, by the way, for the, uh, the the noise in the background. I have I have sort of I've, I've found a spot here, and people who are working very hard to do their jobs correctly uh, are, are are sort of working around me as I intrude on their space. So yeah, that was the uh, that was the sound of a, of a of a cart of trash bags being pulled by. That's sort of that's the consequence of trying to uh, to dig out a spot here because upstairs there are folks writing and cutting audio. So I felt like okay, maybe maybe yammering in what is right now a quiet press box would be. Uh, not that polite of me, so if I take the laptop downstairs here, sort of down through the broadcast level, I'm in a better spot where it's mostly quiet uh, and hopefully bothers fewer people. It's the, it's the ambient noise, though. That's how you know it's real. That's true. It is. You know, it's almost like if we recorded during the game and you got all that natural crowd noise, uh, but instead you get the natural custodial noise. That is, that's at least, you know, genuine ballpark stuff. Can't fake that. You really can't. Uh, you also cannot fake the out uh, the outcome of Adam Wainwright today pitched seven strong innings, eight hits, three runs, all three earned. Did not walk a batter, struck out four, gave up two home runs. You had the home run uh, by by Hernan Perez in the second inning, which was an 87 mile an hour fastball, sort of middle middle. Uh, that ball went 441 feet and came off Perez's bat at 107 miles an hour. I think it was officially smoked. Uh, Wainwright in the post game acknowledging that that's that's a pitch that he definitely needs back and not one he would be uh, thrilled to make again. The other home run hit by Eric Thames uh, later in the game and and that's a pitch where you know Wainwright said that he he executed exactly where he wanted to put that ball and then that Thames is just such a big strong guy that it gets muscled out beyond the right field fence. Uh, Harrison Bader gets up after that ball has a chance to bring it back. It goes off the tip of his glove and rolls behind the right field fence for a home run. But uh, outside of those couple of pitches, you know, this is sort of the performance of the Cardinals need to get out of Adam Wainwright. Yeah, and I think looks looks like today is one that's just going to be a typical Wainwright start. I'd say he's going to give up one and a half home runs per game because of the fact that he doesn't have the velocity. He's not going to be perfect, and the less perfect that he is, uh, the more that's going to be exposed. And so when he does miss on a pitch, more likely than not, the other team's going to make him pay for it. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see that the home run trend kind of continue for him. But all day long, he's kind of working out of some jams here and there. Not always anything too serious, but... I kind of feel like Adam Wainwright's starts are going to be made in the sixth and seventh innings. Like, if he goes five innings or, or can't get through five and gives up a home run or two, and, and hopefully they're solo shots because that can paint your day a lot better than it otherwise would be. If he's doing that and giving up three runs, then it's kind of like, eh, man, that's not really enough uh, for, for the Cardinals because they're going to need him to eat some innings. Now, if Adam Wainwright is giving up those three runs, but he can do what he did today – and go six or even seven strong, that paints it in a whole different light. And I think that's kind of on the high end of what you should hope for from Wainwright this year. He'll have the games where he can even do better than that. But as far as like his average typical start, I think him being able to complete that sixth inning and the seventh like he did in this game is going to be huge. But again, you've got to score runs behind him. And it's something the Cardinals did last year, but they decidedly did not do today in what was kind of getaway day lineup. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's an interesting conversation to be had about Wainwright and what the expectations should look like. Uh, in the pregame, I, I asked Mike Matheny what would look like progress for Adam Wainwright today, and I, I wrote about this, uh, and, you, and you can find it at, at, at LockedOnCardinals.com. I, I wrote about this because when, when Matheny reacted, uh, the reaction was surprise, I think, and I think uh, a little indignation in, in that 
Matheny said he wasn't looking for progress out of Wainwright. That they, they, they trust Wainwright to be the guy that he's been uh, and to be a guy who has led the staff for a long time. And then Adam, after the game, said that his expectation when he takes the ball is to finish every game that he starts. Uh, I think realistically you're 100% correct about what you're likely to see out of Wainwright here uh, over, over, over this season and that this is the kind of start that the Cardinals would be very happy to have every time out from him because he's, I don't think, any longer going to be the guy who puts up, you know, a 2-4 or a 2-6 ERA across 35 starts. But if he can be the guy who puts up a 4 ERA uh, and consistently pitches 6, maybe 7, that's huge for the Cardinals because that puts him in range as, you know, a very good number 3 type starter. Uh, and that probably slides, that probably, you know, that, 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 that slots the rotation in, uh, in, in a spot that's better for the Cardinals, at least in terms of the best way to deploy their personnel. Yeah, you talk about Matheny and Wainwright. They're two eternal optimists uh, that are leaders in this Cardinal clubhouse. And, and you just, you, you know that Wainwright wants to be that guy, and you can already see it on his face. You know, whether he has a good game or a bad game, you kind of know what he's going to say and what the tone is going to be. He's not a guy that gets down on himself, and, and, and that can be a good thing. But when fans hear that, you know, his expectation is to finish every game. Some of that might just kind of fall on deaf ears a little bit because of the fact that, you know, they're, they're looking at a pitcher who's not the guy he once was, and so that might bother some fans a little bit. But when I look at Wainwright, and, and I think realistically, if this guy takes the ball 30 times or 30 times and can average six innings and give you that 180 innings, kind of what you lost from Lance Lynn last year, I think that'd be great for the Cardinals. And and, you know, hopefully they, they do a little more to back him up than they did this time. The uh, the last thing about Wainwright here, and sort of the first thing about the next thing, is that he was allowed to bat for himself in the fifth, two on, two out. The Cardinals are already down 3 nothing uh, in a spot that was, to that point, the highest leverage at bat of any point in the game thus far uh, till the bottom of the fifth. And hit for himself, struck out in that at bat, talked to Matheny about it after the game, and he, he said that, it was a, quote, no-brainer uh, for Wainwright to bat for himself there in the fifth inning, and he made the point that the bullpen was a little short on coverage. Uh, pre-game, he sort of roundabout acknowledged that probably Jordan Hicks and Bud Norris were both down today. He also said that the bench was short, which was obvious with Yadier Molina serving his suspension today uh, and, and, and Francisco Pena behind the plate. You sort of had to keep Jairo Munoz saved if you could because he was going to end up being the emergency catcher today. Uh, so with all of those factors, it was, you know, as, as Matini put it, it was a no-brainer for Wainwright to hit for himself. But I know you and I were talking before we started recording here, uh, and your point, and one that I think I largely agree with, is that that individual decision becomes a no-brainer because there were earlier decisions that may have put them in a disadvantageous position. Yeah, when you, when you look at a lot of times, I feel like Matheny does feel some, to use one word, indignation about maybe if his, if his decisions are being questioned or, or people are trying to figure out what the motivation was for certain things. And a lot of times I can see his point, whereas in the moment that might be the right choice. But, you know, you can date this all the way back to the beginning of the season when the Cardinals said, hey, we're going to go with eight guys in the bullpen instead of seven and we're going to leave our bench a little bit short. Uh, you know, that those are the things that are going to add up as a game goes along, as a season goes along. And and like you mentioned with the Yadier Molina suspension today, which I have no qualms about that. I think today was the, the smart way to serve that because on a getaway day, a, you know, a, a day game after a night game, Yadier was going to sit anyway. And, and while he might be a pinch hitter, 
Uh, typically, they want to give Yadier Molina a full day off when they go ahead and do so because it's so rare. And so it's not that I have a problem with any of the of those elements. It's just that, you know, when you talk about a short bench, those are the situations you're going to put yourself in. And now I will say, Wainwright's ability to go a couple more innings after that point, that's huge. And you did have Dexter Fowler for that end-of-game situation, which I imagine was well, as high leverage as it gets in the end. Uh, obviously, in that spot, he doesn't come through, so who's to say it would have been any different uh, had, had you upon somebody like him earlier in that game? Uh, but, I, you know, I, it's just it's just one of those deals that's gonna, going to continue to creep up when we talk about bullpen usage and bench usage, uh, and, and I don't think it'll be the last time this kind of conversation has had this season. Yeah, the thing to, to track with the bullpen usage throughout the season is going to be what the uh, the guy who ends up rotated up from Memphis ends up doing while he's here. Because, you know, the conversation at the end of spring training and early in the year was that that eighth spot in the bullpen, that spot that's been described as the, you know, break the glass in case of emergency uh, pitcher at the back end of the bullpen, has been a guy who they are going to rotate through up and down from AAA, but that's a guy who doesn't pitch very often. Uh, and to that point, John Brebbia, after not pitching today, did not appear in this series. So that's three. He did pitch in the last game against the Diamondbacks, but so three straight games now where Brebbia did not make an appearance. And then you go into tomorrow, uh, presumably with Leon Fresh. He warmed today but didn't get into the game. Presumably with Hicks back, uh, spoke to Greg Holland. He said that he's in a position now where he feels comfortable going in a back-to-back. You look at the depth that the Cardinals have from the right side for tomorrow's game, uh, and, and you know you can see where maybe John Brebbia ends up being in a position where all of a sudden he's throwing once or maybe twice a week. And so while I understand, uh, I, I understand if disagree with the argument for having eight pitchers in the bullpen. It means that you have to use those guys. The, the the first two games of this series, I thought, were an interesting example of where those guys could have been useful because you did have Sam Tuivalala pitch two innings here on Monday night, uh, and, and you still were able to be sufficiently covered for a couple of extra inning games with those extra arms in the bullpen. Now, after today's performance where you have Wainwright go seven, Lions one, Holland one, and you should be relatively fresh uh, you know, with, with a day game before a night game now, now it starts to get curious, and if, if Brebbia starts to, to rot out there and there continue to be situations where Luke Weaver is forced to pinch run or if you see Adam Wainwright forced to pinch hit at some point over the weekend, then I think, it's, it's again, it becomes a question of the best deployment of those resources. Yeah, and that's where I can't disagree with fans who are upset when they hear a comment like Matheny made a, a couple days ago. Uh, when when he said he's not worried about having a short bench, like he's not concerned, he doesn't think that's going to hamstring the team. And and you see today, I, it might not have been the worst decision, but to say that it didn't play into it, I, I think would not be would not be very forthwith because it did. I mean, if you didn't have the if you had that extra spot on the bench, it's probably a spot where you might have gone ahead and, and made that decision. Would it have been the right one? I don't know that that's that's possible for me to say. But it, it does go into effect where, yeah, it was a no-brainer that that was the right choice uh, because you just didn't have any better options uh, available to you. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's definitely fair. I, I think, and you know, the other question is going to be again, if you're going to have these guys here, and it's going to be a short bench, you also have to make sure you get use of them. Uh, Harrison Bader did have a start uh, both both today and yesterday. You had Greg Garcia play a significant percentage of that game last night, the winner to extra innings, and then play the entirety of the game today. Jairo Munoz has been getting relatively uh, re- relatively frequent pinch hitting appearances, and so. They are, I think, doing at least a pretty good job of keeping those of keeping those players fresh. Uh, one thing that's probably worth noting: Jose Martinez was back in the lineup today after Monday night suffering a contusion to his right Achilles tendon. wasn't in the lineup. Did hit yesterday, got a hit, uh, and then Luke Weaver pinch ran for him. Martinez hit and ran for himself today, and as far as as, as far as we can tell. Uh, appears to be fine. He was walking around after the game, looked fine, doesn't have a visible bruise or anything on the leg, and so at least it seems that the Cardinals escaped uh, a a serious injury situation with Jose Martinez. And that's going to be important, too, as we talked about yesterday, just the the lack of depth on the infield when guys are on the shelf. I mean, you like seeing Greg Garcia, Darren Munoz get into the game occasionally, but if those guys are regulars in your lineup, I, I think you've got issues because, again, two runs today... Uh, you know, you, you, you look at this lineup, some of the names involved in this thing, and, and think, okay, they're going to turn it around, they're going to turn around, but, uh, you know, we haven't seen it yet, and that's, that's going to become an issue the longer the, uh, the slump goes on. Cardinals taking off for Cincinnati tomorrow, uh, and then a three-game set at Wrigley Field starting on Monday. I will be in Chicago for the duration of that set, so you're going to have some podcasts brought to you from Wrigley Field. That's going to be a it's going to be a challenge to find quiet spots there. I think I don't I don't know where the best spot's going to be to do that at Wrigley. I you mean, just better hope you can find an operational bathroom. You know that's that's going to be a challenge. Uh, when, when I when I previously covered games at Wrigley, I was up there for the National League Championship Series last fall, and uh, I didn't quite rate a seat inside. I had the uh, I had the 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 very nice seat. Uh, in the auxiliary press box down the left field line. Though I will, I will say uh, the person who sat to my direct right for Game Five of the uh, of the NLCS last year uh, was 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 Chip Carey, and so you know with 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 having with knowing that. At least I felt a little bit better about myself. That okay, it if, wasn't just you, right? You're right. Yeah. If, if if Chip Carey, you know, a, a son of a legend, I, I took a picture of the Harry Carey statue outside Wrigley when I arrived for the LCS last year. If he doesn't rate a seat inside, then I felt I felt okay about myself. But yeah, I'm excited for the trip to be sure. Uh, you know, the Cardinals are getting what they need for the most part out of the pitching staff. You had the one bad outing from Holland. You have Leone sort of trying to settle in. But the offense and, and the lack of offensive punch is for sure the story so far. So, uh, I don't know. Do you think that a trip to Cincinnati, to be sure, and then perhaps Wrigley can do a lot to bring the bats out of a slumber? I mean, it can. But when you look at the fact that the Cardinals today make Junior Guerra look like you know a pretty good pitcher when he's not been a guy that has stuck in, in rotations for – for long and has you know been kind of that swing man as a reliever some as a starter some uh, you know it's disappointing when you get base runners on the guy but you can't find a way to, to tag him the way it feels like you should and the Reds will have plenty of those pitchers as well the Cubs that is a little bit of a different story uh, with their rotation maybe even one of the best in the National League but when you, when you face some of these starters for the Reds you've got to take advantage of that especially in that ballpark so uh, you, you know they got to go out and win a series, I think here, and, and more than anything, they've got to consistently score runs in in multiple innings. That's going to be the key. 
It was uh, it was somewhat funny in the post game. Greg Holland was asked about Cincinnati in particular and the jet stream there and the dimensions of the park, and he just sort of said, "We don't talk about that." Uh, it was joking, but you know, talking about for for a pitcher at least, it's not not pleasant to sort of imagine the way that those ballpark effects can be uh, can be rough on the ERA after a while up there. So definitely a, a trip. I think that hopefully the, uh, the 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 hitters are able to use to pull themselves out of a slump, and that, again, on the other end of it, that, that the pitchers are able to sort of maintain where they've been at. I, I think you're right about having to deal uh, with with those starting staffs up there. It, it, it's definitely not going to be just as simple as, okay, they're in Cincinnati, let's get it going and let's let's start raking. It's going to be, uh, it, it, it's a much more a much more complex situation than that. But I, I think that, you know, again, we talked about this yesterday, the the depth of the lineup and the names of the guys in the lineup do seem to suggest that eventually the offense is going to come around. And you have seen that now, you know, with Marcelo Zuna on a 10-game hitting streak. Uh, you saw Tommy Pham with a home run in the ninth today to pull the game within one run. I, I, you saw Matt Carpenter with the game-winning home run last night, though he came back with an over 4 with two strikeouts uh, this afternoon. There are some things that, that, that you can look at that make you think uh, that the team is sort of moving in the right direction. But I think the uh, the, the telling stats from the homestand, uh, our friend Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch tweeting these this afternoon, said on the homestand, the Cardinals went 9 for 43 with runners in scoring position. Over six games, they had 41 hits and 60 strikeouts. 60 strikeouts, that's 20 innings worth over 56 innings worth of batting. That's uh, That's got to be somewhat of a disturbing trend, I would think. Yeah, and, and I think the Cardinals are going to strike out a lot this year. That you know, it's not a surprising trend, even if it is kind of disturbing. But you've got to have the other. The, the the payoff has to come with it. And if this team doesn't end up with anybody that you know is above twenty five or thirty home runs, like if they don't have a thirty home run hitter and those are their strikeout numbers, it, it's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be a very good look for how the I think the run totals and the win loss totals come out at the end of the year. Like you've got to get some of the payoff if you're going to give up what you tend to give up when you're when you're striking out that often. Yeah, I, I do think it's worth watching uh, whether or not Mike Matheny is sort of planning now the cycle has benched through to get some guys who may be a little bit struggling out of the lineup, get some get them some days off. Paul DeYoung, Dexter Fowler, both getting days off today. Uh, both got pinch hit appearances and both struck out. DeYoung three for twenty two with twelve strikeouts on the homestand. The next guy who logically would maybe be uh, getting a day here, if not tomorrow, then perhaps Friday, I think would be Matt Carpenter. Uh, you know, maybe maybe again just a day to step back uh, and even an opportunity to get refreshed. Tommy Pham got that day yesterday, hit a home run today. So maybe there's some slight anecdotal evidence that, hey, you know, a day off can sometimes go a long way towards making sure uh, guys aren't pressing too hard in the early going and, and then making sure that things mentally are sort of set up the way that the Cardinals need them to be for success here over the next few weeks. How much is this team missing Jed Jerko though right now? Like, isn't that just the crummiest timing for injury? Because, you, you know, if Munoz gets a start here and there and Garcia could do the same, I, I think you'd be a lot more comfortable with Jerko being in the, you know, the six or the, the five spot, even in that lineup and being able to kind of hold things together. Whereas, you know, it's nothing on these guys, but sometimes when when they come up to the plate, you're like, man, they're getting into that part of the lineup where you're just not you're not surprised if the other team is able to just run through you 
you know, get it, the way Colton Wong has been struggling, you go, uh, you know, today Garcia batting in the leadoff spot. Okay, bang, the pitcher's gone. But it's just kind of, it's it's a feel thing more than anything. And I don't know how much that plays into it for the players. They'd probably tell you not at all. But certainly, I know as a as a spectator, you're watching it and thinking, man, this could be a, a it could be a while before we see them try to get something going. Yeah, uh, one before we wrap up here, one note about Jerko. He was in the clubhouse this morning, but was uh, was bound for Florida. I think later today, heading out on a rehab assignment to get himself uh, to get him to get himself back in shape and, and, and sort of back swinging again. Uh, Matheny mentioned that you know it's it's hard for a guy rehabbing a hamstring to do that in cold weather. So maybe going out to Cincinnati and Chicago wouldn't be the move. My guess on Jerko is that we'll see him probably back here next Friday uh, when, the, when the club comes back from the trip. The, uh, the Reds are here on Friday the 20th. My suspicion would be that that would be the day where you would see Jed Jerko, uh, assuming all goes well in the rehab, get back into the lineup. And so it's a matter of, you know, seven games between now and then, th- uh, four in Cincinnati, three in Chicago, and it's a matter of determining whether or not they're, uh, the, the, the Cardinals are going to be able to sustain that stretch without him. Yeah, and cross your fingers, nobody else goes down on the shelf before that because, uh, you know, with already a short bet, and then certainly at that point a 40-man roster move. Yep, that would be uh, that 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 would be probably necessary unless you were uh, eager to see ma- the major league debut of Edmundo Sosa, and I don't think the Cardinals are eager to pull that lever quite yet. That's that's kind of what you're talking about at that point. So I don't know. That's going to wrap up today's Locked On St. Louis Cardinals. Make sure that you check out LockedOnSTLCardinals.com. You'll have the podcast there. You'll have things that I'll write there throughout the duration of the season. Make sure you check out Brendan at KMOV.com. He is at bshafer 12 on Twitter. I am at JM Jones. Also, make sure that you check out Scene at the Ballpark on Instagram. That's been my uh, that's been my my daily little project here where I'm trying to take one shot of something at the ballpark every day that you may not be able to see from a, from a fan perspective and sort of open up the clamshell a little bit. Today, Brendan, it was a, it was a thrilling shot of a giant pile of dirt behind the right field wagon gate. Man, that's a lot to get to. A lot going on with that Instagram. It's You know what? If, if you like giant piles of dirt or pictures of Miles Michaelis' glove <laughs> or perhaps the, uh, the plaque outside Fred Bird's office, then we've got it there for you. So, Brendan, thank you so much for, uh, for hopping on and, uh, and, 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 and talking about a uh, a disappointing series, I guess, for the Cardinals, but one where you can maybe see some progress moving forward. Yeah, let's see him score some runs in Cincinnati. How about that? There you go. For Brendan Schaefer, I am Jeff Jones, and that has been Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.